Welcome back to another episode of the Record Spinner Podcast. I'm your host, Noel, and today is another special uh, special episode um, as we continue with this bridge um, to Season 2. Um, so bear with me as I give you some general updates on records that I'm expecting, and records that I've bought, and records that I've received um, over the past uh, few weeks here, so... With no further ado, um, let's hop right in. <laughs> so first, uh, I do want to talk about, um, I do want to give an update on my uh, Weldon Irvine records from Germany. I still have yet to receive them. Um, I, I have a little bit of experience, as I said before, with ordering records uh, from overseas. And typically, they don't take too long, so I am expecting them within the next week here. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll have that, um, and I'll of course update you, of course, um, with those records as soon as they come in. Um, my first episode is going to be about Weldon, and I'm going to be covering some of his discography, disc- discography, um, and some of the stuff that I have on vinyl from him. So, uh, so that stuff is very important to me finishing this episode, of course. Um. The other update I want to give is uh, my Vinyl Me Please subscription, and I've talked about uh, Vinyl Me Please a few t- a few times, a few different times on this show, uh, but Vinyl Me Please is a, is an online storefront and, and uh, record vinyl subscription um, platform, I guess, uh, where you can get all of your vinyl needs. Um, I strongly urge you to to check out Vinyl Me Please if you haven't already. Um, It's a very easy way to get started building your collection of records, and it's the good stuff. It's this stuff is curated, it's vetted out, um, it's all the good stuff from all of the artists you know and want to know and need to know um, as far as uh, as as genres concerned or as music's concerned. Um, you won't be disappointed. I have yet to be disappointed by any of the records I've gotten, and I've been now a subscriber for almost a year, almost a year, yeah. And uh, and I've gotten some really great additions to my record collection. Some stuff that I've had already, I have already, which is cool. You know, having another copy of a record. We'll we'll talk about that in later episodes. But also some stuff that I hadn't even heard before and didn't even know about. So um, so it's really a good way to, like I said, get going with your record collection if you want to start um it's not super expensive it's like 40 dollars a month um again and you're only getting one record per month um from whatever uh, section you choose from so i think they have three major selection or sections um that you can choose from classics essentials and i think hip-hop is another one um weirdly enough um but uh yeah if you don't want one of the coolest features if you don't want um, a, a record from your section you can actually just switch out you can swap sections if you if you will and uh, what that allows you to do is get the record that you want so for example this past the past few months of uh, I've had to swap out uh, because I think I'm subscribed to this essentials or the classics I can't remember which one I'm subscribed to but um but the last few months, I've had to switch out, and I switched out last month for uh, Erica Badu's uh, Mama's Gun, and I switched out this month for Donny Hathaway's uh, 1970 classic, his uh, first de- his debut album, and also a classic, uh, Everything is Everything. Um, so 
that record if you haven't heard it it's a it's a must listen for sure um you can listen to it on all of the streaming platforms of course but it's nothing quite like listening to it on a turntable i will tell you that so vinyl me please's uh, motto is you know it's not the only way to listen to music but it's the best and and I can totally co-sign that for sure. <laughs> so yeah, uh, check Vinyl Me Please out. Um, check the Donny Hathaway Everything Is Everything album out. You won't be disappointed um, by either, I think. Um, and, and tell me what you think. Give me some feedback on that for sure. Um, and, and that leads right into kind of my, my final point on the updates is contact me, reach out to me, engage with me. Um, I, I won't get off of that. Um, I, I see the stats and I see that people are listening, but I, I want some engagement, even if it's bad engagement, even if you want to just tell me the show is crap and I should stop. <laughs> Let me know. I want to hear from you. So email me at uh, the record spinner podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow me on IG at rebirth of the cool um, and also uh, this really cool project that I'm working on on my website where I want to bring a lot of music heads, especially new music heads. I want people who are just getting into this stuff um, to, to come together, to share ideas. Um, so I'm creating this forum on my website where uh, where like minded people can come together and share um, their music experiences, have questions, silly questions that uh, otherwise, you know, may be laughed at on certain forums or certain um, uh, platforms. Um, I, I want to open this up to people who want to start this journey down uh, down co- collecting music, physical music, whether it be CDs, uh, cassettes, or vinyl. Um, I, I want to have uh, people engage with me. So check those things out. The website is therecordspinnerpodcast.com. Um, and all you need to start um, or to have an account on uh, my website for the forum is a Facebook or a Google account, which I think everybody should have both. So you're all set there. Um, I do want to get into what I did this week um, and and my trip to Birdland, my second trip to Birdland. I took another trip out with a girlfriend um, with, a, with a higher, I guess, with some more time and some more money. Uh, I went out and checked out the store a little bit more in depth and uh, i'm going to tell you about that on today's episode but first a word from our only sponsor if you haven't heard of anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain it's free the biggest part right it's completely free there are also creation tools that allow you to Record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, and so many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's the best of all worlds. So I encourage you, if you're in the podcast market and looking for a place to start, download the free Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm to get started. Alrighty, welcome back. Thank you for listening to that lovely plug. Um, 
just a heads up to all of the record stores um, online and the in-person ones in DC. If you want to um, have an advertisement or an advertisement um, on the Record Spinner podcast, um, just inbox me at the Record Spinner podcast at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to tell about the honest and awesome um, record experiences or purchases that I've uh, purchasing experiences that I've had with um, with all of you guys so I haven't had too many bad ones so let me know if you want advertisement with the record spinner podcast um anyway right into uh, the trip to uh, Birdland which uh, it was a really good trip it was a really awesome day yesterday me and the girlfriend was out for most of the day um, enjoying the the beautiful weather here that's something we don't do too often um, due to the current nature of the world and um, our natural introverted uh, natures as well so it was cool to be out. It was cool to see everyone else out. Um, a little nerving, of course, to be around so many people. I think DC is just kind of like back to normal with face mask, um, which, you know, take it or leave it, whatever. Um, I I get kind of nervous about it, but, you know, apparently that's, it's, it's normal. So, <laughs> whatever. Um, anyway, uh, we stopped by Birdland and uh, spent quite a bit of money um, here at Birdland. Um yesterday and yeah i mean um it leads into a real issue that i have with the types of record stores i've talked about before um i i think i called them uh, kid record stores and what i mean by that is it so it works twofold it's a double-edged sword if you will um on the one hand these record stores are good for beginners these record stores are what is needed for beginners in my opinion um everyone can't be uh the the psalms and the and the joe's record paradises where it's a it's a warehouse of of records that you know um music heads go to 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 find their favorite records you know they, there needs to be a kind of a slowing in or an initiation process and record stores like songbird and birdland are exactly what's needed in the vinyl community i feel like um, especially at their current states now i talked last week about how birdland wishes to get more into the used um vinyl uh, uh part of of the vinyl community which is a a a good thing to to get into because i think that's where you get people like me and and other people who are who who like a little bit more of a challenge of going through the use section uh or use selection of of records and um and finding the gold I, i love finding the gold you know um I mean, going into a record store and knowing that, you know, every record I buy is going to be a a great record is good. But I also like I like doing my own homework sometimes. And um, and again, the double edged sword of of having the trade off be, uh, you know, you're going to get some good records, but you're going to you're going to pay a pretty penny for each and every one of them uh, versus, you know, going into a record store and having to find every good record you've you want to buy uh and also being able to weigh um the the deal that you're going to get um it it's all a personal preference and so my personal preference is digging for gold while some people's uh personal preference is you know they want it sealed they want it signed sealed and delivered you know and so uh 
I get it. It's there's no bad way. It's like like Reese's, right? Like it's no wrong way to to dig for records. Um, and and so my personal gripe about you know only only buying five records at the price of one hundred and fifty dollars. That's my that's my personal gripe. It's not something that should be taken on as you know as uh, as as biblical or the or the or the law um, that this is now a bad place to go or not a worthwhile uh, place to go when it totally is. Uh, they're they're making the effort. They are new record stores, so they're making that effort to get into the community and be a trusted source of of, of physical music within the northeast uh, quadrant and community so I, I totally support that once they get going with um with getting enough of the used vinyl in um from people who want to get rid of their vinyl um uh, vinyl collections for whatever reason i think they're gonna do a great job and a great service to the whole neighborhood and so they have my complete support um but yeah yesterday's trip cost me 150 dollars. i got five solid records but $150 typically would get me 12 to 15 to 20 good records. And so yesterday's trip can only be uh, summed up as a disappointment to a person like me. Now, you know, if you got $150 or more, and I've seen these types of diggers go into record stores like Birdland and Songbird and just drop $300, $400 and be like, yeah, whatever. I'm not that type of digger. I feel bad. And, and it's just a cheapskate in me, right? Like $150. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck did I get for $150? Here's what I got for $150 at Birdland. So bear with me. Get ready. Buckle your seatbelts. And we're going to hop right into it. First, I want to talk about some of the uh, folky, bluesy, blue-eyed soul stuff that I got uh, before I hop into the, the the good stuff of what this show is all about, right? Um, so, first on the list, I got this record that I've been looking for for about five years now, honestly. Uh, I first heard it um, a while back, and I've been on the search for it since. It's one of, the, one of these records where I could have just ordered it online, but there's something that's not as fulfilling as doing uh as finding it in, in a crate you know finding it by accident um and and that means a lot to me um personally I, I, if you're not the same cool uh but the challenge of finding a record by looking for the record and just going through a whole bunch of other records to look to find that record is a different challenge and it's a challenge that i always welcome as opposed to just typing it in to you know whatever site i'm i'm on and or discogs or whatever and being able to find it there like of course i could have found this record there but i wanted to find it in a crate and i found it yesterday for the first time at a decent price i found it a few times before um it was kind of out of my price range for a used record and so i just put it back yesterday i found it was in my price range it was in the used section shout out to birdland for having that very small but it's gonna grow believe me it's gonna grow um that very small used section found a great record it's delaney and bonnie home 1969 there's stacks recording uh and stacks of course you should know um if you don't know it's um it's a funk blues um, record label that uh, is out of based out of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, lots of classics come out of there. Um, Isaac Hayes was uh, one of the the, the in house musicians for Stax for a long time. Um, they've had so many greats come through Stax. So, um, but yeah, bon, Delaney and Bonnie are a married duo, 
um, and I love the married duos, right? Like like Sonny and Cher and shit like that. Um, that stuff it, it can it can yield some really good music. Um, this particular group, um, they, they're in a few different categories: uh, folk rock. Um, they're considered uh, classic rock by many. Um, and of course, blue-eyed soul is what I like. I love that term because it just kind of it lets you know that the, this is white people's attempt at creating soulful music. And uh, and I think you honestly you get no better example of um, of a successful uh, blue-eyed soul record um, than Delaney and Bonnie's Home. Um, the other record is uh, a college favorite. This is back in my indie and my alt rock days. I used to jam these guys all the time. Um, also with uh, Cursive and uh, Minus the Bear. I used to listen to a whole bunch of weird shit. This group uh, was always on repeat. Um, this record was always on repeat. The Shepherd's Dog, and that's by Iron and Wine. Iron and Wine is uh, they're a, a, a alt indie rock group um and they made some amazing music i don't know if they're still making music i haven't really been into indie and alt music for a while i still get emails of course being on on all the newsletters i still get updates on you know who's making music who's dropping a new album and sometimes i'll check it out but this was just a classic i couldn't pass up on it was really it was really fairly priced so i had to grab it um the other records that I'm going to get into, maybe they weren't so fairly priced, but, you know, they, they were half, they were must grabs. So, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, with that, I'm just going to hop right into the, the records. We're going to spend the remaining time talking about first a record that we talked about last episode or an episode before last or whenever. But we talked about KMD. Uh, we talked about Black Bastards. And, uh, and yeah, that was a few episodes ago where we uh, where I spoke on. Um, the five percent nation of gods and earths. Uh, this record um, by KMD is their uh, debut album, and it's uh, Mr. Hood. Mr. Hood, nineteen ninety one. Um, th- there's nothing much to say about this other than you know their their singles from it was Peach Fuzz, which you know Peach Fuzz is probably, I think pre Doom, Zev Love X. I think you. Uh, this is probably his biggest biggest hit i know it's one of the first songs i heard of uh, pre-doom of course so um it wasn't uh it wasn't a well it didn't get a great reception when it was uh released uh, in fact it was really rated uh really poorly by all of the critics um when it was released but uh in in my listening to it honestly it's a really it's a really dope piece of music um sometimes critics can be a little harsh uh they can be a little um I don't want to say stupid. I want to stay away from harsh words like that. Someone told me that that was a little too harsh for me to call people idiots in, in that episode where I talked about uh, the 5% nations of gods and earths. But yeah, critics can definitely be stupid sometimes. And uh, and in cases like this, uh, I think sometimes they can be victims of their time. So, you know, this time... Uh, KMD, I think we're doing uh, something that was a little bit different from what most hip hop albums were doing in the early '90s, um, and tough for them that they did that. But you know, this is an amazing piece of work. Um, it's uh, one of my favorite pre dooms. Of course, it's not you know too many pre dooms, but uh, Black Bastards has you know has my heart, obviously, um, just because of the story behind it. I told you guys that last episode. Um, 
but yeah, Mr. Hood has some really great and funny interludes as well. Um, really awesome beats. It's a raw. It's, it's in the same ballpark as uh, Black Bastards as far as sound. Uh, it has a very raw early 90s hip-hop sound. So um, check it out. I think you'll like it, uh, especially Doom heads or people who, uh, who are hip-hop heads in general, of course, have already checked it out and maybe already like it. Maybe they don't like it. Tell me what you think about it. Um, I would love to know what people think about that record. Next up, um, we're going to talk about something that I, I think is a, a record that I think is just unanimously accepted as one of the best black conscious hip hop records of all time. And that is Most Def and Talib Kweli as Black Star. Now, this record, again, it doesn't need any introduction, really. Um, it's one of those black conscious records that kind of crossed over. Um, I can think of common, a few common records that have also crossed over um, into the mainstream of either mainstream hip hop or mainstream music in general. Um, this record, you hear it a lot. You hear you hear this record a lot. It's 1998, um, released on Ruckus record label and. I don't know how to, where should we start with this record? Let's start with the name, the group name and the album name, Black Star. We've talked about Black Star and what it means, right? Black Star, the Black Star line. This is Marcus Garvey's uh, attempt to take black people back to Africa and escape the perils of white supremacy and, and being treated as second class citizens back in the 20s and, and 30s. The Black Star Line was extremely successful looking back, but during its time, it received a lot of criticism by blacks and whites. Of course, the blacks were integrationalist, so they believed that this was counterproductive to what the the mission was to be for, or the mission was for black people at the time. Um, yeah, I'm not going to speak too much on those types of people. Um, but I am going to say that I'm a huge fan, and of course, you know about my tattoo on my on my left arm <laughs> that that signifies my respect for or symbolizes my respect for Marcus Garvey, his theories, his philosophy, as well as um, as well as well as this hip hop group that uh, also shares and, and was kind of a lot of people's introduction to Marcus Garvey back in the 90s. And in the late 90s, you see this. I don't want to say it's a resurgence because it, it kind of all it kind of was always a part of the main pillars of hip-hop but black consciousness and black conscious hip-hop was a really big thing and, and and it really dictated the sound of hip-hop music in general in the late 90s um and i think no other record quite does what this black star record does um i took another listen to it today um just around the house while i was chilling and it's a, it's a perfect record, man. It's just, especially for its time, it has it has a lot of different sounds to it, um, all of which um, feed into that. If if you just close your eyes, I feel like you can just kind of envision where you were in 1998. If you're that old, if you're not, then uh, maybe what the 90s may have been like, I guess, whatever. But the production on uh, Black Star, um, done by a number of people, 88 Keys and uh, and um, High tech, of course, uh, high tech being um, a, a favorite of uh, Talib to use. Um, 
if we had to say who was your favorite, um, I'm curious to know which of the rap duo was your favorite, Talib or Most Def. For me, it was Most Def. Um, Most Def was definitely, um, he, I just related more to what he often spoke about. This is even as a teen when I first got into uh, Black Star. Um, I, I just found myself really enjoying the cadence, uh, the, the delivery of Most Def's lyrics as opposed to Quali. Um, that's not one of those, oh yeah, I don't like preachy rappers. Um, both of them can be kind of seen as, seen as preachy, I guess. But I think Talib was way more of a wordsmith, way more of a, a technician when it came to how he set up his, his rhymes. And uh, I think that's something that I now appreciate about him. Uh, everyone knows, you know, that infamous line from jay-z where you know if what is it if truth truth be told if lyrics sold uh, lyrically i'll be uh talib kweli or something like that um so we all know of um of the respect that talib is given in the hip-hop community for his lyrical prowess but um i've always just favored most def for some reason so um this record of course um has amazing cuts uh brown skin lady probably one of my favorites um on this record um respiration future in common is a classic um and of course thieves in the night who can who can forget such a, a classic record as that which honestly the gems that are dropped on all these records on all these tracks um go on to make this record a classic but it kind of also leads into what i want to talk about um just briefly before i go into the last record of of um yesterday's trip uh, but it's the appeal of conscious music, black conscious music, to white audiences. Now, you would think, one would think, um, that, you know, black conscious rap especially, right, wouldn't appeal to white people at all. It just wouldn't, like, people wouldn't wouldn't bother. However, as one of my favorite rappers from the D.C. area, Odyssey, he lives in New York, shout-outs to Odyssey, I, I love that guy, um, he said it on a few of his tracks, and and he's said it in numerous interviews as well. But you know, there's this track where he's breaking down the underground music business side, right? The 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 actual business side, because we often think of underground music as being solely independent. These guys who just running around preaching, you know, whatever they want to espouse or whatever. It's not quite like that. There's an industry that is uh, in the underground, and it's there. Uh, it's created to make money off of people who uh, who like the alternative um, to pop music. And, you know, just like, just like anything, if you have a main culture or a mainstream culture, you're going to have a counterculture. And that counterculture is going to be exploited the same way by industry execs as the, uh, as the mainstream culture is exploited by mainstream execs. So it's really the same. It's really the same uh, side of it's the same. It's the what is it? <laughs> it's the it's a different side of the same coin you know that's all it is um and 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 again shout out to odyssey for kind of hipping me to that and, and allowing me to see that back during my um idealistic phase in in music and in politics but the appeal of black conscious music to white audiences i i'm at a loss of, i'm at a loss of words for it. and so i would love it if uh, if, uh, if white people who listen to this show or 
if you have white friends who maybe understand uh, or like underground music, um, I would like to hear from these people. I want to I want to know what is the appeal to the white audience for black consciousness? What is why is that why is that a focus? Because you hear records like this, like from Black Star. And I mean, you hear the lyrics, you hear the 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 bravery, the the blackness in this in this record. And I mean, you and like I said, in an ideal world, you think that this record was only bought by black people, but it wasn't a lot of white people bought this record. I hear a lot of people still banging this record. And so why is that? Is that just the nature of the business? Is that just the nature of how things work? Is is it because black pride is now commoditized or is that or is it because that, you know, white people just like the the good stuff that that black people put out? I mean, I, I really want to know this because it, to me, it's always been a it's been a weird conflict because of uh, I've always been into all types of music. Right. Um, but if. If there was ever one thing that confused me um, about the audience versus the message, it's always been the message of black consciousness being sold to, to white audiences. Because, um, you know, you, you talk to a lot of black people and um, a lot of fans of hip hop music uh, who are black, a lot of them aren't really big into uh, black conscious hip hop uh, because they consider it to be a little too preachy. Um, I've heard this critique about even Kendrick Lamar, who is, I think, the, uh, I guess, the biggest example of black consciousness music right now, right, um, in the mainstream especially. So I want to know. I just want to know. That's a question. I'm just putting that out there. Um, the last record I want to talk about is kind of in the same vein. Um, Nina Simone is a, a relic in the black community um, and a, a person who has been um, I don't want to say she's been compromised by white audiences, but she's been listened. She's been hailed by white audiences as 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 an amazing artist. And it kind of follows in the same line. What is the appeal? Right. Um, the record I got is Black Gold, which uh, features um, one of the one of the records that we're going to be talking about in season two, episode one. To be young, gifted, and black, which was written by Weldon Irvine, um, and performed masterfully uh, by the the queen herself, Nina Simone, and um, yeah, it's been redone a few times. It it was heralded as uh, the civil rights anthem uh, for a brief bit, and it was also heralded as one of the black national anthems for a little bit too. So. Um, so yeah, I, I, I want to know, it's the continuation of that question, what is the appeal to white audiences of uh, um, uh, black conscious music? Um, I want to know that answer. I want to know. I want to know personal, personal experiences for, for my white audiences, um, if you have them. So yeah, um, again, I just want to double back and talk about, you know, where to contact me, how to contact me, how to get in touch with me reach out to me let me know what you thought what you think what you're what you're listening to even i want to know all of that reach out to me at the record spinner podcast at gmail.com 
Um, check out the forum stuff that I'm setting up on my website at therecordspinner.com. Um, and of course, follow me on IG and Twitter at the at Rebirth of the Cool. Not the, but just Rebirth of the Cool. So, so yeah, that's been my time. Um, again, I want to hear from everyone. I want to hear from you all. Continue to support and, and listen. And I thank you for that. Um, and until season two. Peace.